Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. We always say it. We always mean it, and it's true. So let's get started. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. I have a quote from uh, ING, the Office of Experience Design 2016, quoted in the blog, HypeInnovation.com. Just listen up. So, yes, we are in the middle of the platform revolution. The role of the platform is the creation of these connections. The platform facilitates an accessible, scalable, and efficient network of users, services, devices, and intermediaries. The value is created, distributed, discovered, and consumed. So, yes, we are talking about the platform revolution, the platform economy, and technically the title of this episode is Platform Business Models, Friend or Foe. We did part one of this conversation in May of this year on our series called Game Changing Business Model Disruption Radio. It was episode number four, May 3rd, 2018. And I have two of the three original panelists back to help us figure this out. So let me give you a little background. In this digital age, successful platform businesses are using scalable cloud system architecture and sophisticated technology. That's a key word in there. And implementing smart adoption and monetization strategies. You may be focusing on the word monetization. That's what it's all about in business, isn't it? What is happening with these companies? How do they know they're successful? They are achieving three things. Market dominance. You'd love that, wouldn't you? Exploding margins. Well, hello, exploding margins. And volumes of sensitive data. Ooh, that sounds like there might be some danger in there. Is your company on board yet? Do you even know what a platform business model is? We're going to find out from our two experts on the panel today. So let me tell you who's coming on the show. First up, I'll be welcoming back Bernd Uwe Pagel. He is with SAP and Niels Herzberg. And they're both calling from somewhere around the world. I'm not sure where they are, but we're going to find out. Bernd is the Senior VP of Cloud Platform Ecosystem at SAP SE. And uh, Niels is the Global Go-To-Market Lead for Internet of Things and Strategic Partnerships also at SAP SE. And we have to do a shout out to their colleague Klaus von Regen, VP and Head of Business Business Model Innovation at SAP SE. He is very under the weather. We're sorry he couldn't join us, but Klaus, you are in our thoughts and we may use some of your discussion statements. So there. So Bernd is a doctor, Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel, and Bernd has sent me a quote from Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov, uh, American writer and professor of biochemistry at Boston University, one of my alma maters, known for his works of science fiction and popular science. He wrote or edited over 500 books. He was a little busy, you think, and an estimated 90,000, that's right, letters and postcards. His books have been published in nine of the 10 major categories of the Dewey Decimal Classification System. Let's leave it there. He was the president of the American Humanist Association and the asteroid 5020 Asimov, a crater on the planet Mars, a Brooklyn Elementary School, and a literary award are all named in his honor. So there. Now, let's get to the quote. Quote, the saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. Bernd Uwe Pagel, welcome back. How are you, Bernd? Hello, Bonnie. I'm fine, and thanks for having me back. 
I'm delighted. I was so intrigued by the topic, so impressed by you and Niels and Klaus back in May, and I thought, you know, platform is being bandied about as a topic that people think they know about and might not, and we really need to bring it to our biggest audience who are here listening on Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I am honored that that you and, well, we hope had hope Klaus would join us. You and Niels are back. So talk to me about this quote from Isaac Asimov. How does this relate to our topic, Bernie? Sure. Um, so when I thought about the, the right quote, um, I mean, what, what drives me a bit is uh, in the context of platform, what it does to, to our society. And um, because it, it, it absolutely drives change, right? That's why we call it game changer. Um, so uh, and this quote, it's interesting. It comes from 88. Um, 88 was a time when I was basically going to university and I learned mm-hmm. about artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence, machine learning, all these new technologies, uh, which will really change or are actually starting to change our, our lives. Um, I mean, it was invented 30 years ago. Yeah? And, and, uh, and a person like, like Asimov, he thought about what is the impact of these technologies back then. He called it science, but at the end, it's, it's technology uh, on, on, on our life. And, and how do we as a, as a society have to react to it? And what does it do to, it, to us? And maybe maybe you you didn't quote that or didn't didn't mention it, but he he, he was a uh, biochemistry professor, but he mm-hmm. focused a lot I think back in the 40s already on robotics, um, and uh, he he put some laws in place uh, for uh, three laws of robotics. So how should robots work with human beings, and how should we as a, as a as the human uh, as the mankind? Uh, program them, uh, guide them. So what's the laws there? For example, that they should never injure humans. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. And he put these, these laws in place. And how, how does it relate to our topic today, to platforms? Uh, I mean, it was, there was a lot of technology or a lot of science back then, but it was never really hitting reality, hitting the business until now. And now with platforms, uh, we are giving companies, individuals, access to these technologies. And machine learning, artificial intelligence is definitely one of them. And so while we are doing this, uh, I think the, the, the question Asimov brought up back then is really becoming in, imminent. And I'll just give you give an example. Yeah? Uh, today, mm-hmm. um, autonomous driving, yeah? uh, what is the challenge? The challenge is not the technology anymore. The challenge is what's the decision a car has to make protect the driver or protect a pedestrian if mm-hmm. there is a potential accident coming. Or uh, if we talk, speak about business-to-business platforms, uh, Industry 4.0, yes, this is coming. It will automate a lot of our processes. It will change the way we do business. But what's the impact on, uh, on the labor? Uh, what do we do with people who might not be needed anymore in their roles? So it's these kind of questions. So that's why I thought it's a, it's a great, uh, he was a great visionary and uh, science, science, uh, science fiction uh, consultant even. Uh, so he really thought, uh, thought ahead like Orville. And uh, now we, have, we are confronted with these questions. Thank you, Bernd. And no, I did not read that part of his bio. It's very long, but let me just fill in for a moment, and I'm sure that Niels will allow me a little bit of space here. Uh, from the bio, along with Robert A. Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke, 
Isaac Asimov was considered one of the big three science fiction writers during his lifetime, and he lived from 1920 to 1992. Uh, Asimov's most famous work is the Foundation series. His other major series are the Galactic Empire and the Robot series. Very, very interesting. Um, with Foundation and Earth, which he wrote in 1986, he linked the distant future to the robot stories, creating a unified future history for his stories, much like those pioneered by Heinlein and others. Very, very interesting. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Bernd, and thank you for the explanation. And now let me turn to your colleague, Niels Herzberg. It, oh, I don't, well, we're going to find out in a few minutes where you both are. Uh, Niels loves Nelson Mandela quotes because you sent me one for the show in May, and so I didn't even have to change the attribution. And thank you very much, Niels. And here is the quote. Well, Niels, let me get it. Nelson Rolelala Mandela, 1918 to 2013, South African anti-apartheid revolutionary, political leader, philanthropist. He served as the president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. He received more than 250 honors, including the Nobel Prize. He is held in deep respect within South Africa and has been called Madiba and father of the nation. So here is the quote. After climbing a great hill... One only finds that there are many more hills to climb. Niels Herzberg, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing very well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Well, talk to me about this quote. Now, how, how come you love to quote Nelson Mandela? I want to ask that. I'm very intrigued. It's very easy because I'm a South African. Um, uh, and okay. uh, I, I think that... Um, um, you know, he's a very wise man. Madiba is the old wise man. And um, it's even my Twitter handle. I'm the tech Madiba, you know, the old wise man ah. of technology. So um, that is where this, um, you know, where this all comes from. But I think um, you're know, coming to the quote of uh, after climbing a great hill, one only finds that there are many more hills to climb. I think this is, you know, when we are on Game Changers Radio, and if you listen uh, the list, are you, they, they, I think this is the, the next great hill to climb, but it is not the last hill that we all will be climbing. I think those of us who have been in the industry for quite a while, um, you know, we have um, um, already seen a few hills, and we've climbed a lot of these hills. I don't think that this hill climb is going to end. I think that uh, platform will be a, another hill that every enterprise will have to climb and that is going to be a challenge um, for some uh, but I think uh, we should not despair because um, you know we have climbed hills in the past we have climbed similar mm -hmm. hills in the past I think enterprises know how to climb hills but this is not the last hill I think it is the hill that is being climbed by a lot of people at this time by a lot of enterprises at this time but um, um, I, I with you know, selecting of this quote I was thinking of Folks, we have climbed other hills before. We know how to do this. Um, this is not that uh, we don't know what this is. But on the other hand, um, this is not the last hill that ever is going to be there for an enterprise. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I want to circle around before I do the usual, where are you calling from, what's in your cup today, and what are you doing in your role today at SAP. I want to go back and let's level set, gentlemen. Let's get a definition of platform. What is a platform business model? I was reading up on it before the show, this show and the one in May, and I think I have a basic understanding, but it's complicated. It's not just one company doing something. It takes trust. It takes 
getting together, cooperation, cooperation, collaboration. So why don't we start with Bernd. Bernd, what is your definition that the listeners need to know when they hear the word platform model, the term, what should they be thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of attributes uh, describing uh, what a platform or platform business model is, and, and maybe I, I come with some uh, more, more prominent ones, and Niels, you can, you can add to it. Um, I mean, first and foremost, um, I mean, it's, it's a two-sided uh, market. Yeah? I mean, basically what, what that means is uh, platforms are connecting suppliers to customers in some shape or form without a linear uh, um, supply chain related model. Yeah? So it's really direct connection, um, and, uh, which means the platform has to provide value to both sides. Yeah, to the to the to the providers, to the suppliers, and also to the to the customers, and it needs to be a balanced balanced model, um, which means all need to need to need to really benefit from that, um, and there is a clear governance around how all um, all constituents uh, uh, operate and work with each other on this platform, and that needs to be controlled by the by the platform provider, by the platform owner, as they of course also have to to control the access. Um, this leads, and this is also something you need for pla- unique for platforms. Uh, they, they basically try to reduce assets as much as possible. So it's, an, it's a kind of an assetless, assetless uh, business model, um, and that reduces transaction cost enormously. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's super fast, and it scales almost uh, um, without without limits. Uh, and that helps to create network effects. So it, it helps to onboard more and more, uh, uh, more and more um, constituents to the platform on both sides, which drives additional value to all the participants on the platform. And all these platform models are not product businesses. They are basically striving to, to an outcome, uh, to an outcome value, uh, to, to a service. I mean, you all know Uber, what's, what's, what's Uber providing is a very simple example. I mean, it helps you to get from A to B. That's, mm-hmm. that's the outcome you, you're getting. Um, so it's not a product-related model uh, as such. And that's maybe the, 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 the um, most important difference to, to, classical, uh, to classical business models. Um, Thank you. Neil, yeah, go ahead. You Keep going. Have- you have any more examples? It would be great. I think people yeah. really relate to the case studies. Go ahead. I mean, I, maybe one, one additional aspect. I mean, all these, since, since a platform knows what's going on, um, it's, it's about collecting, uh, collecting insights, collecting the data that helps you to, con- to con- uh, con- uh, continuously improve the service and, and really provide a great user experience to both sides. Yeah, you, you're, it's a self-learning system. It has to be a self-learning system. Coming up with new services uh, all the time, being very agile, which is a challenge with all the technologies underneath, um, it, it needs to cope with um, to make it very simple for all the participants to, to be on the platform and be successful and make money. Thank you. Very interesting. Niels, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree, or you can go in a completely different direction. And if you have any other case studies or examples that people will instantly know about, that would be great. Go ahead, Niels Hersberg. Yes, um, it's interesting. You know, when you ask that question, you know, my experience of yesterday and the debate 
with a very major customer that I had yesterday flashed through my mind. And um, you know, in that discussion, um, first of all, I was it was a platform discussion, um, and um, you know, where a a customer wanted to create a major platform for himself, for his industry, for his and her, uh, the suppliers, and so on, and so on. And um, somewhere in the middle of the, the discussion, um, there was a question, is this a platform or is this an operational system of what we are creating? And I think it is both. Um, because what a platform is, is also um, um, you know, a place of common behavior, of common rules, of, of um, you know, common rituals, of a common way of working um, to make things better, to make um, things more, in some cases, more standardized, more predictable. Um, but that, I think, uh, for me, was a very interesting discussion that I witnessed, and that discussion didn't um, stop during the course of the day. Um, I do think that um, you know, what platforms are um, is um, you know, something that you know, makes um, enterprises, helps enterprises. There's one set of platforms that help enterprises be more mm-hmm. successful as um, as individual enterprises. You know, so let's call those the enterprise platforms. But then there are also the, the, the sort of the in-between platforms bound over. I mean, if you sort of flash back um, 15, 20 years and remind yourself of where you were back then, you were in the platform business. You, know, you were creating marketplaces. And um, you know, so from that point of view, there are um, you know, these platforms that make the, the interaction um, between um, enterprises more efficient. Um, when I sat with this customer yesterday, actually, you know, it turned out that um, you know, a major part of that, um, what this customer was envisaging was, um, you know, supply demand matching um, and um, in various dimensions on, on logistics, on, um, on assets, uh, asset availability, and so on as a big part. And that is where platforms uh, provide a, a, us with a very different way of working in the future than potentially we've worked and um, have done that in the past. But also these platforms, uh, the inter-enterprise platforms, require you, um, you know, some rules, some trust, some common rituals, some common ways of working. Otherwise, obviously, there's not a, not a global success. Very interesting. Ben, so this sounds like there's discipline. And do you, do you have any examples, Niels, that you could share with us besides the Uber example that Byrne gave? Well, I think if we if we look at our own SAP, um, I'm not I'm not sure I'm allowed to, to do that. But um, I'll give you uh, Ariba mm-hmm. as a buying and selling platform. Yeah, um, that's okay. We have Conquer, Conquer um, that, that really uh, builds the bridges between those who have want to travel and um, those who provide travel services. Um, if you look at field glass, it is about contingent labor, um, those who have um, jobs to do and those who are seeking jobs to do. Um, so, um, and um, you know, there are various categories. You know, transportation um, is another one where um, you know, a lot of platforms are um, existing uh, to ease the way of doing business and, um, um, you know, to, for some also to create a huge amount of competitive advantage. Thank you very much. Very interesting approach from both of you. Now I'm going to go back to Baron Uwe Pagel and ask you, where are you today? 
What's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that powers you and makes you so smart and invested in what you do? And what exactly do you do? Go ahead, Go ahead, Bert. What exactly do I mean? First of all, I mean, I'm sitting in uh, beautiful uh, Germany in Waldorf, which is uh, SAP's headquarter. Um, it's a relatively warm summer day, um, not as warm as in Flushing Meadows uh, when someone ah. tennis yesterday. I think this was, uh, was horrible. So it's not as bad, but it's still pretty warm. Um, and uh, what my role is, um, I think you, you mentioned it a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm in charge of making sure that uh, as many companies, partners in particular, uh, join our, um, our SAP cloud platform, which is a technology platform, a platform as a service in the, uh, with, on an enterprise-grade level. Um, to build applications uh, which enhance, integrate into the SAP uh, universe of applications uh, and also the platforms we, we have attached like what, what Niels mentioned, Conquer, Glass, Ariba and so on. So uh, we try to drive the adoption uh, which is absolutely key for every platform. No platform success, no, uh, no money, no, uh, no, no profitability without Adoption, that's key, and that's what, what we are trying to achieve uh, for our platform here. Um, so what, yep. what's in my cup today? Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the fact that it's pretty warm, uh, I have a uh, chai latte. I don't know what if, if uh, you all know what that is. It's basically uh, like, you know, a, a, a cappuccino. So it's, a, it's chai uh, tea with, uh, with milk, uh, foamed milk. Um, which is pretty much a winter beverage, but uh, it said uh, the warmer it, it gets, then, then uh, you're feeling better if you drink a warm, um, a warm beverage. Why that? I mean, the special thing is it's a fair, fair trade chai or fair trade tea from India, where I have been for five weeks ago. And uh, now you might ask, uh, is there any, any connection, any relation uh, to our topic? And mm-hmm. I think there is, uh, because okay. uh, if you think about fair trade, um, and I think people, the audience knows what that is. I mean, it's, it's basically a, um, um, call it a company uh, uh, or an organization, uh, making sure that farmers uh, are paid fairly. Uh, they have sustainable uh, working conditions. Um, so it's basically helping to improve uh, uh, the, the poorer countries and, and the particular farmers there uh, by enforcing rules, but at the same time uh, giving, uh, giving these farmers direct access uh, to the consumers, to shops. Yes, you pay a bit more, um, and people are happy, happily paying a bit more for, these, uh, for, the, for the goods. Uh, simply to make because they know because of the rules of this of this platform uh, that the farmers actually benefit and not the intermediaries uh, which usually make make most of the profit um, and I think there are more than 1.6 million farmers uh, worldwide and cooperatives uh, organized here so that's my relationship so it's a, it's a chai latte Today. Thank you very much. I have had other guests on the show say chai latte. Uh, I'm just going to read a definition here I found online. Milk, water, and chai tea concentrate, which is an infusion of water, black tea, cardamom, black pepper, yeah. ginger, cinnamon, I'm not done, cloves, natural flavors, star anise, plus sugar, honey, ginger juice, natural flavors, vanilla, and citric acid. Does that cover it all, Bernd? <laughs> yes, and you can summarize it. It's a bit spicy. Thank you very much. I figured as much from the cardamom, the black pepper, the ginger, and the cloves. 
it yes. ginger that gives it that kick gives it that kick thank you very much very very interesting and thanks for relating it to the topic we don't usually do that and i thought it was very interesting and very appropriate so thank you and now Niels is waiting patiently to tell me where are you Niels? what do you love to drink or what's in your cup today either or both and what do you do Yes, Bonnie. Um, it's interesting. Whenever you and I talk, I seem to be on the road somewhere and uh, not in, in Waldorf. Last time I was in Stuttgart. Um, this time I'm again in southern Germany, but today I'm in Augsburg. Um, um, you, you may ask, why am I traveling so much or why are you always getting me on the road? Um, mm-hmm. It is because uh, you're part of my job is, um, you know, if I look at my business cards, it says um, um, IIoT, Go to Market and Strategic Partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, fact of the matter is that um, you know, in uh, many of the platforms, um, you cannot do this alone. And um, you know, specifically to SAP, this also means um, that we have our customers as our partners. So matter of fact, I am at a customer site. I'm looking at a lot of um, orange robots uh, if I look out of the window. Uh, because um, you know, the com- company that I'm working, I'm working with at the moment, they make robots. I'm one of the leading robot manufacturers of the world. And it is really also your discussion around platforms and um, you know, how do you create um, platforms for um, your companies like this one um, so that they can get to the data that they need to serve their customers even better. And um, that is the, the core of the discussion. Um, what is in my cup today? Well, at the moment, there's nothing, but I know what there's going to be there this evening yes. because I am here in, in the center of Bavaria and um, we'll be traveling to Munich tonight. And um, so it is going to be what the Germans call a, a Weizenbier. Uh, don't try to Google that. I'll translate it to wheat beer. It's a very delicious um, German creation. And um, so we will be actually in Munich tonight and I will have with um, our customers, with our partners, a very, very good um, uh, Weizenbier because they make the best in Bavaria. Now, I'll, I'll try to build a bridge of um, why is that important. <laughs> okay. I think um, despite, despite all the technology, I think we have to realize that we are trying to create a place for humans, um, this world a better place for humans. And, um, um, and I also think that platforms um, need to reflect the fact that there are humans on this planet um, and also getting um, your platforms to work and the collaboration is not just a technology topic. It is also that um, humans have to work together, enterprises have to work together because um, you know, there is one set of platforms where one company uh, went on this um, on its own but there, I think, um, is also, and we discussed this, uh, I think, previously, um, platforms that uh, will only really make it if lots of uh, folks work together and everybody um, puts in the data that they have. I'll give you an example of what I'm thinking about. Um, we had a, um, um, a, a, a situation in the port of, um, of Hamburg in the northern mm-hmm. part of Germany where um, you if you know Hamburg, it's right in the middle of the city. Um, and it's a container port. It's Germany's most important one. But the, the fact is that they are not going to get more space, but the expectation is 5% more containers per annum going through that port. Um, and um, that cannot be done by everybody meddling um, on in their own little way. And... Um, 
it was then the the, the, the the idea to create a platform where everybody, for instance, the truck drivers, um, you know, the, the trucking companies, um, put where's the, where's the truck, um, the shipping companies, where's the ship, what are the orders, what is the traffic situation, and they, they together, by everybody contributing their data into a neutral platform, um, are helping everybody to run a more efficient port, which then helps um, everybody to make jobs more um, secure um, in, in their region, achieving something that nobody could have achieved on their own, but by them agreeing on working together and pooling data and sharing data within a rules-based platform, um, it's not the Wild West it's a rule-based platform, um, they were able to create a better outcome. The better outcome, one better outcome, for instance, is that um, every truck now does uh, 13 round trips in eight hours and not 12. Mm. What does that mean? Um, it means less trucks, less CO2, um, less clogging in the harbor, um, a lot of things. Yes, it also, and this is sometimes the impact of platforms, um, uh, but um, on the whole, there's a, a, a big set of benefits as well. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. And as you both may remember, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. All I'm allowed to have is water, and that's exactly what's in my cup. And maybe something stronger later. I'm not exactly sure. I think we're going to take a break for 90 seconds and give my two panelists who are working so hard a chance to catch up on whatever they want to drink. Although, Niels, you'll have to put something in your cup. And in the meantime, we're going to do a shout-out again to our colleague, Klaus von Regan, who could not join us today. And I just want to end this segment before... Before I go to break with the quote he sent us from Seneca, and this is also a line from the song Closing Time by Semisonic 2012, and this is a very interesting quote. We're just going to let it drift out there for the break, and then we'll come right back. The quote is, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. That's from Seneca, Lucius Aeneas Seneca, Seneca the Younger. 4 BC to 65 AD. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to come right back. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Dr. Bernd Uva Pagel and Niels Herzberg, both at SAPSE. They are specialists in our topic today, platform business models, friend or foe. We haven't answered that part yet, gentlemen. Can we just quickly find out before we dive into our roundtable, although you two have taken me quite around the table on some really great information on this. Bernd. Is it a friend or a foe? Is that depending on whether you're the owner of the platform, whether you're coming in early in the game, late, friend or foe? What's your thought? Naya, it, it, it's, uh, it's a necessity So, uh, as, as a business to survive. And uh, if you... If you build uh, or, or transform your, your business by either having a, trans, a platform business becoming part of, your, of what you're doing or you smartly leverage platforms out there, then definitely it's a, it's a friend. If you miss the train, it will be a foe. And for many people, human beings, uh, I think this still needs to be, needs to be seen. Uh, at least there will be uh, a big change uh, coming uh, because of uh, the, these new these new platforms. Um, it could be you could benefit even as an individual, but it could also do harm to you because you have to learn and you have to adapt as well of what you're doing every day. And your, your 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 business your your job might change fundamentally. Interesting, Niels. Let's get your thoughts. Friend or foe? How does how do you know which side of that paradigm you're on? Which which side of that seesaw, shall we say? Well, I think um, um, it can be your friend, but um, if you ignore it, it can actually become your foe. foe. Um, let's take the example of uh, in history of um, you know, the telegraph. Um, those that use the telegraphing platform. Form, um, had better information than those who didn't, and um, therefore, you know, when um, you know, in the U.S., um, you know, everybody was putting rail tracks to everywhere. Those guys who had the better information obviously gained uh, over those who who uh, were in the dark. So, for the one, it was the uh, the friend, but the other one who did not have the access 
Um, um, it was um, ultimately then the, fo- the foe and the downfall. So it, that links back to the platform of you know, and uh, what Tuband was saying about um, you know, things being fair and um, the question of whether a platform is an open platform or whether it is a closed platform. Um, that I think is going to be an important discussion maybe as we go into this, um, the second half of this talk. Thank you very much. Appreciate that both. And Bernd, I'm looking at your notes here. There's something here that intrigues me, and I want you to relate it, of course, to platform business. You say, for the first time in history, technology is ahead of business. That sounds very provocative to me. What are we talking about? Yeah, uh, Bonnie, I mean, uh, look, we we are in a a world where bandwidth, storage, compute power it's it just there, right? It's, it's there in an, in an unlimited fashion. Um, and, and this is for the first time, I guess. Uh, this was a limiting factor. We, we spoke about machine learning, artificial intelligence. This was always somehow algorithms, the, 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 the ideas were there, the, the science did their job, but unfortunately, compute power storage was not, was not there. It was not fast enough to produce meaningful results. This is there. Now we have new technologies like, uh, I mean, also sensor, which basically these, these new uh, foundational um, capabilities we have, they enable uh, all the IoT business sensors. So we, we can basically sense everything today. Yeah, we can even sense uh, by putting a sensor under, under, uh, in your body, uh, which some people, I don't know if they are smart or not, are doing to, to measure everything from heartbeat to uh, if, if they feel well. Um, so we can measure everything, and this produces huge amounts of data, um, which, which can be captured. Yeah? Now, the data is there. Um, we have new technologies like blockchain. Yeah? Um, this works. Yeah? Also, because we have uh, basically unlimited storage capabilities, capacity, and, 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 uh, and bandwidth. Now, the question is, with all these new technologies, sensors, blockchain, artificial intelligence, it's there, but how do we benefit from that? Yeah, how do businesses actually benefit from it? Change their processes, use it, and not just from a business side, but also how's how's the uh, how's the mankind benefiting from that? And these technologies are super complex. At the end, yeah, it's uh, it's something as a as a normal person engineer in a, in a, in a business uh, or as a, as a private person, you don't understand how to do this, how to pipe data, um, how to cleanse it, and so on. So you need experts. And not everybody can, can buy these experts, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you need basically, and this is the role where platforms come into play, where platforms can, can bring these technologies to life uh, in certain industries, solve certain problems, and make it basically available to everybody to business and, and also to, uh, to individuals. And, and this is what, what, where we see a lot of things happening right now, right? Uh, new ideas popping up everywhere, um, but it's based on these new technologies, big data, sensors, IoT, uh, blockchain, and so on. Um, but the business are not there yet. The technology is there. So now business need to catch up. Very interesting. Thank you. I want to find out what Niels has to say. Niels, agree or disagree? Anything you'd like to add to that statement from Bernd? Um, I do agree that um, I think technology can uh, provide more than uh, potentially business is, is realizing. 
Um, you know, as band was speaking, I was thinking, um, and I think he touched on that point in a little bit. Um, I, I just would like to reiterate the, the difference between an open platform and a closed platform and um, how that um, you know, um, makes a difference. I think um, it is going to be key um, in the future for, for our listeners to gain access to platforms. Um, ben spoke a lot about um, your data, a lot of data. Um, I do think that, um, I mean, many people have said that data is uh, the fuel of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I think that the data, but also the access to data or the lack thereof, is a, um, you know, what the arms race um, in enterprises is all about. So if you are starved from data, if you are starved from access to platforms where you could get that insight, that data or rather inside that actually can become a huge competitive disadvantage you know it's about the haves and the have-nots and um, data I believe is in enterprise you know what weapons are in war hmm that's provocative. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm looking ahead. Niels, you sent me some statements here for part two, which is what we're doing on this topic, and I'm looking to see what we haven't covered already. Uh, you know what I'd like to do? I'm going to go to some of Klaus's comments here. Klaus wasn't able to join us today, mm-hmm. but let me just get the two of you to uh, to comment on this. He said, Everyone wants to run a platform business, but establishing one is hard. Let's just get a quick comment on that, and then I'll find something in your notes, Niels, to go on. So, Niels, why don't you start that one? How difficult is it if if, uh, somebody decides they wake up one morning and say, well, I've got this business, I'm manufacturing, uh, let's say, um, pencils. I'm manufacturing pencils that have a very interesting picture on them and a a self-regenerating eraser with some kind of IoT sensor built in, and it just manages to regenerate the eraser, if anybody remembers pencils with erasers. And uh, I think it's time to start a platform business. What do they do? Or that's not the the right product to do it, or the right concept. Niels? I, I agree with uh, with Klaus. I, I think that establishing a platform and establishing a successful platform business is um, is a very 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 hard work. Um, the fact of the matter is that um, um, you know, the world um, doesn't need as many platforms as it's got humans. So there is a uh, you need to also um, you know, the world probably needs as few as necessary not as many as possible. And that's why it makes it so difficult because you have to gain critical mass quickly on your platform for whatever you do. If it is one of these platforms like we talk about Uber or um, even um, Ariba, you know, the success of that platform is um, actually um, based on the fact that it has users, it has connections, um, there is traffic, there is energy there. Um, just to be out there with your platform and sit there and hope that something is going to happen, um, that, that is easy. But uh, really making it successful is hard, uh, I believe, is very hard work. Thank you. Bernd, thoughts? Agree uh, or disagree? I, I totally agree. And, uh, I mean, but it starts with uh, what is the, the problem you are solving? Uh, I mean, if you're not solving a problem, it's very hard to find uh, 
individuals, companies joining your platform. And uh, as Neil rightfully pointed out, it's at the end all about adoption and scale. Um, so first, you need to solve a problem, and uh, this this shouldn't be a too complex problem uh, f in the beginning, because otherwise uh, it's not simple enough for for the people you want to win or the companies you want to win to participate that they understand well, what you're doing. Um, so keep it simple. Um, be super good in the details when you implement your idea on the platform. Uh, so optimize all the details, but also optimize the number of details on your platform. Uh, otherwise, it gets too complex and confusing. And then once you grow, you get the data, you learn, you can add more services over, over time and, and make the platform bigger. So finding this, this, uh, this inflection service or problem you are, you are going to solve with a platform business model and the right technologies, I think that is hard. Testing it. Uh, testing it with with some uh, with individuals with with a, with, a, with a community you want to win on both sides yeah, in a balanced way uh, those supplying to it and those consuming it I think that is key uh, I, I want to just comment on on uh, something Neil you said because it it fits to your to your question Bonnie uh, mm -hmm. right 20 years back there was the marketplace business and uh, it was not super successful and uh, the question is why. There was a lot of power and a lot of money behind. Um, so for those uh, who, don't, who don't know what that was, mo most of these marketplaces were, um, were procurement marketplaces, uh, where in the supply chain, uh, one level in the supply chain uh, tried to optimize and get better conditions uh, from their suppliers. Could be the automotive OEMs with their tier one suppliers, the tier one suppliers uh, with their tier two suppliers. Um, so they basically try to, to bring all the suppliers on the platform to negotiate better prices. That did, that failed. Why did it fail? Because one of the fundamental success factors of any platform was, was not, was not fulfilled. And that was a balance of, balance the interest of all the, the, the participants. This was, just to the to the benefit of the provider or the, the, the provider of the platform, the platform owner, who also at the same time were consuming the services and they were consuming all the benefits. And the suppliers to the platform, they were basically uh, had to had to uh, live with reduced prices and more competition. And that failed because of course the, the suppliers tried to avoid that. So the adoption did not happen. And I think this is, this is important, so you have to balance this out, um, and, and you have to make sure that you really focus on the details which really make your, your business uh, successful at scale, and, and then you can add to it. Thank you very much. Great answer. And again, uh, thank you to Klausar. You couldn't join us, but that was a great comment there. Niels, let's see. We have time to cover one of your statements here. Let's talk about, okay, there's a huge difference between consumer-facing C2B platforms, enterprise-facing B2B platforms, and C2B2B platforms. The difference is trustfulness, fairness, and data custodianship. I am not familiar with the term C2B2B, so... Niels, can you enlighten us, please? Yes, uh, I'll do that in a minute. I, I, Bernd, I was just um, seeing whether your www.squeezeyoursupplier.com was still available. It actually is. <laughs> but that was exactly the point or that you were trying to make um, of it being unfair what was going on over there. 
Now, um, I think um, what is a C to B to B platform? Yes. It's a consumer to business to business. Um, for instance, what we are seeing um, that, for instance, car companies would like to put an app store into a car and that you pay for the fuel by clicking on something on the central console rather mm-hmm. than going to the um, um, to the um, paying and walking out and uh, things like that. So it is a consumer to business, the, the filling station being the business, but then, uh, oh no, the payment is then with uh, the brand of car that you have and they pay uh, the provider of the fuel. So, you know, folks being out parking is another great example of um, your where um, um, your companies like Hertz are brokering parking spaces for their customers. Uh, that have rental cars in the United States, so you can book a parking spot. Those are um, C to B to B platforms. What am I trying to say? I think um, um, you know, the difference is that uh, with consumers, um, the, the the negotiation power is not that strong. You and I, uh, we don't have a huge negotiation power versus the operators of the platform, so they actually may be pretty one-sided. Um, uh, on, on, on B2B, I, I think um, it is really that it has to be fair, there have to be rules, enterprises work in a different way. And the point that I'm making about data custodian, um, you have to be very clear of who owns the data that is on the platform. Um, I think in, in the B2B space, um, it, is, it is not necessarily wise to, to commercialize your or do a secondary commercialization of your customer's data. That is, personally, my mind, a stupid idea uh-huh. um, mm. because you're breaking the trust of um, all the participants on the platform. You are not a trustful platform operator. And I think that this is also going to differentiate um, you know, um, who wins in some of the platform games um, of whether they are having more of a B2C approach or a B2B approach. I think um, that um, you know, if you look at um, C to B to B platforms, it has to be fair, it has to be efficient, and it has to be beneficiary uh, or better um, for the, the, the consumer that ultimately um, is doing. There you have micropayments. Um, as, a, as a topic and a capability, um, you, when you're brokering parking, uh, it's a very, very small um, payment amount that you have in there. So those are the, um, the kind of um, differences that I'm seeing. But um, I think that um, because we are here talking about enterprises, um, I, I, I have to underline the need for fairness. Yes. I, uh, and I need to underline the, um, the need for data custodianship and clear mm-hmm who owns the data. It very much links to my previous comments about um, you know, um, data um, being for, for enterprises is what arms are for armies. Thank you very much. And gentlemen, we are officially in the crystal ball predictions round, and that means it's time for me to give you each 90 seconds. I think I can divide equally until we have to end the show. So let's go back to Berndt and Berndt. What do you see coming up the pike, down the pike, around the corner in terms of platform businesses, friend or foe? Any major changes you see, whether it's the way they're organized, who starts them, who is custodian of the data, the technology that will help to support them and facilitate them? What will change, let's say, between 2020 and 2025? Bernd, 90 seconds. It's all yours. 
90 seconds. Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Uh, I try to to keep it short. I mean, data custodianship definitely, Niels, uh, I, I wouldn't agree more. And the question is if regulation is coming. Um, we, we saw with GDPR and, and uh, some of some enforced privacy rules that uh, action is being taken. Um, I, I think more will, will happen uh, in that uh, in that regard, and that is not bad, in particular regulating um, information-based uh, platforms, which can really do harm to, to society and all of us, um, and, and even to uh, democracy, uh, as we all saw in the, in the, in the last quarters. Um, but my prediction is, is rather, um, look, I mean, we have 40% of the world's top 30 brands are platform businesses today, 40%. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a number, a recent number from from, bearing, from a bearing point analysis. So five years from now, my prediction would be that that all 100% of the top 30 brands will be platform businesses or have substantial platform businesses as part of their of their of their of their uh, company. Um, and and this will not only information centric, so consumer or or sharing models like Uber and so on. Uh, so. Uh, Consumer-oriented platforms. I would predict that we will also see uh, large brands coming in the industry for also in the B2B space. And uh, if we go a little bit beyond, uh, going back to to Asimov and and uh, his uh, mm-hmm. science fiction uh, um, stories, I mean, I, I, my prediction would also be that maybe not in five years. Let's be, let's say, in ten years, yeah, all platforms will be truly intelligent and they will they will interact with each other. So there is not a lot of human interaction. Still, there will be platforms with human interaction, but in particular on the B2B side, a lot of interaction will be completely automated between platforms. Thank you. I need to save. I've got just 60 seconds left for you, Niels Herzberg. Go ahead. Predict, please. I think that there are going to be more different hills um, that we will be climbing in 5, 10, or 20 years from now. Um, as it relates to the platform, I do believe that if a platform business becomes too big um, and too dominant, um, the regulators will get hold of it and uh, will take care of it. Um, I think that the other part is that platforms are being used for um, for competitive reasons for enterprises and nations. If you look at China, China is very much using the platform business. They're creating China as a platform and they use it for competitive advantage of their nation as well. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, I want to thank the two of you again. I want to thank Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel. I think I got that right most of the time. And Niels Herzberg, I really appreciate your sharing your knowledge. I learned a lot, and I know our audience did. And again, a shout-out to our colleague, Klaus von Regen. Klaus, get better soon. You missed a great conversation. And yes, I did read your quote with your permission. And yes, we did pick up one or two of your discussion statements. So I appreciate that. So I'm going to close with our usual call to action. And I have another get well message to Aaron Keller, our engineer at World Talk Radio. He is really feeling awful today, but he came to work so he could engineer this show for us and we really appreciate you so thank you very very much and a quick shout out to Torsten Leidek and Mark Giall who brought these panelists together on May 3rd for this topic on their series so I appreciate your letting me poach them I thought it was great and here's our call to action fasten your seatbelt what in the world are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today just like Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel just like Klaus von Regen just like Niels Hersberg and maybe just like me. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern with a new edition live here on the Business Channel of Predictive Machine Learning. You don't want to miss it. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back. 